what's up what's up my highness queens we are back with a brand new episode of bluntly black girls in a brand new year even though it's about 20 days into well by the time this releases it'll be 21 days into the new year but you know it's fine um we're back with a new episode i hope you guys have had uh had an amazing christmas an amazing new year's a safe and healthy christmas and new year's um as much as possible because, uh, you know, we're still in a pandemic. You know, shit's still on fire right now. The world, I mean. Um, but today, uh, Wednesday, January 20th, is Inauguration Day. This day gives me a lot of hope. Um, if for nothing else, to not have to experience what I've, what we've experienced the last four years. So, um, it is a day of celebration for me. So I wanted to um, release my first episode of the year. Um, well, again, by the time this releases, it will be the day after inauguration, but whatever, it's close enough. Um, because it just it just felt like a, a very appropriate time, especially for the topic that we're um, talking about. So um, I got my girl, Keisha, and she's a cannabis journalist. And we talked about the MORE Act and what it is, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, we really, we did some Googles. I did some Googles and really just kind of broke everything down on what exactly it is, uh, what it means, what it doesn't mean, and all of those things. And um, we also kind of just, you know, had some laughs, shot the shit, uh, shoot the shit, shot the shit. Is there is there a past tense of that? I don't know. Whatever. Um we talked some shit <laughs> and smoked some blunts and just had a really good old time. And um, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the first episode back. Um, I hope it teaches you something. I hope you learn something. I hope it makes you uh, start paying a little bit more attention to the brands that you're purchasing and where you're putting your money. Um, I hope that it inspires somebody to write a letter to their um, senator, their congressman, congresswoman, you know, whoever, and just kind of get a little bit or a lot of it active in this social justice reform because it is very important work. Um, also, if you have not watched um, BET's documentary Smoke uh, produced by Nas, I thought it was particularly um, well done. And I recommend everybody go watch it. And I think that it will spur you to figure out how you can help social equity in some way. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Can't wait to get back to putting out regular episodes and having some more amazing guests come on. I have some really fun things in the works that I'm really excited about over the next month. Um, well, in the coming months of this year, um, because I refuse to let 2021 be what 2020 was. We're just going to say that it's already been a fucking year, but things can only get better. Hopefully. Crossing our fingers. Praise God. <laughs> All of those things. Um, so let's get into the episode. Let me introduce who came to smoke me with me today. Um, it's my girl, Highness Queen. I really don't want to get your name wrong. Okay. Keisha. Yes. Yes. Keisha Diane uh -huh. McMillan. 
Okay, because I'm very big on making sure that I pronounce names correctly, um, but I also get tongue-tied very easily. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to put a lot of thought <laughs> into my pronunciation. So I appreciate you you writing that out for me. Made that yeah, easy. Yeah, I thought it would have. My name is all, I'm, I'm so many different names to so many people. So I, let me try this. Let me right. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, I truly appreciate that because I know how important it is to get somebody's name right. That's right. Um, so Keisha uh, is my guest today. She, uh, we met through, I, mm, I found you on Instagram, but I forget how I found you. But I just know that when I saw your page and I read some of the um, articles and stuff that you had written, I was like, oh, she know what she talking about. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can learn things from this lady. Like, I need to reach out and talk to her and see if she'll come on the show because I know that there's things that I want to know and I feel like she has that information and I just want to give that information to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Um, so, go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So, I am... Um... I live here in the Bay Area. I'm from Oakland. I grew up in Berkeley, so I am a, pretty much a native. I was born in New York. Um, but I've been a writer since I was a kid. I got my first journal when I was nine years old. And it was just something that was always just in my life. It was just something I always did. Um, I even minored in creative writing. I went to San Jose State. I studied advertising there. And um, I am professionally a journalist, but really also my, my primary my primary work is copywriting so I do a lot of content writing for brands and I have a my advertising background is what kind of got me in that world um but I have a long retail history I used to be a product marketer uh and uh in 2016 I decided that I wanted to make cannabis my niche I I was creating a whole new business and I decided I wanted to write full-time and California was getting ready to to vote on Prop 64 um, adult use and I felt I was a patient and I felt pretty confident that it was probably going to pass so I thought well you know there's a lot of brands that are going to need some marketing content and boy wouldn't it be fun to write you know copy for weed companies so let me let me transition into that make that my niche and what really ended up being a life changer for me was I enrolled in Oaksdam University, um, so Oakland's Cannabis College. I believe it's the first accredited cannabis college in the United States. We have to come back. We're going to put a pin on that because I really don't want to interrupt you because I feel like, oh, my God, I didn't even know all this stuff about her. But we're going to put a pin in that right there because that interests me a lot. <laughs> what is this? Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> yes, we're going to come back. I couldn't do a full semester or a year. And uh, what it was was a certain intensive about all things cannabis. It was like an hour of policy law. Um, it was an hour of horticulture. It was an hour of cooking with cannabis. Like they just broke it down over two days, Saturday, Sunday. And we got, we were sent home with a packet of like books and our little take home test and all of these different materials. And my brain just like exploded like I was obsessed Mm -hmm. and what also uh, added on to the obsession was I used LinkedIn to do my networking and I ended up speaking to a lot of people um, in the cannabis world in varying various capacities who were just really really open about advocating on behalf of themselves or someone else for the medicine and I was not used to that being a focal point in an industry I found that 
really amazing. So that started my journey. And um, I, I think I made the right decision. <laughs> um, a couple years after starting writing content for brands, I also just had the opportunity to pitch a story to Dope Magazine. They accepted it. And I would go on to write five more pieces, for, four more pieces for them. But that was, uh, that helped me realize, holy shit, like journalism is really, really speaking to me. So yeah, that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell, I think. Right. And then only up from there. And then, uh, say again? Only up from there. Only up from there. Yeah. yeah. No, this has been um, the equal parts, the most fulfilling work I've ever done and the most ener- energetically and mentally draining work that I've ever done. I say the exact same thing about this damn podcast. Like, and I'm still, this is still like very, I, I understand that this podcast is still very much in its infancy and, um, even, you know, just the brand and the ideas that I have are still very much in the infancy stages. There's so much more I want to do, but I still get so much gratification from putting this in. But let me tell you <laughs> the stress, the sleepless nights, the days I literally just want to cry. Like, and I'm not. Yes. And I'm not a crier. I don't, I don't, it takes a lot for me to get that type of reaction from an emotion. And I feel like this podcast gives me that every time. But as as a crier, uh, I fully understand. And yeah, I have, uh, it's almost like birthing a child. This is my baby. (laughs) This is my baby. And, and I feel like sometimes, like, I don't know what's worse. Like, is it going to be now where, like, she's screaming and crying all the time? Or, like, maybe in five years when we're almost at the teenage years? Like, is that when shit's going to really hit the fan? Because I know it's going to hit the fan at some point. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. You're just hoping for the day when maybe she won't cost so much money. Maybe she'll bring in a little bit of cat, a little extra to supplement moms. You know? Man, are you going to start paying me? Because you expensive. Yes, but the the labor of love is so um, fulfilling, and so yeah. like the the return on all of those the times where I'm down or mad or I'm sad or I'm feeling like this just can't work. Um, the moments that I'm like, oh shit, I did that. Like yeah. those outweigh. They may be less often than the times I want to cry but they outweigh the times I want to cry they make it worth it yes very much so there's nothing else I I love I love writing writing is my love anyway but it won't I can't write if I'm not inspired and Mm -hmm. if I'm not um if it's not speaking to me and cannabis speaks to me on so many levels it speaks to me um from the standpoint of being a consumer I mean I can absolutely uh, have a little weed and just let my mind do whatever it does and just pen in hand let that be what that, that is and it just feels very it's like a baptism it's just mm-hmm. so cleansing right um, refreshing then, and yeah yeah and it just like you afterwards you just you not not just the physical ah uh, but like the emotional and mental like yeah. that is what cannabis gives me <laughs> You can't, there's no other time when my mind is that open and like, Mm -hmm. not, I'm not preoccupied, I should say, with so many other things. It's just a presence, just the presence is very helpful. And then the stories of the people in cannabis, the the people, and I mean, I'll just, the black people, the brown people, 
the LGBTQ people who are really just putting everything out there to try to build their dreams in this industry. Mm -hmm. That is inspiring to me. That Mm -hmm. speaks to me. And if I can, um, I mean, all I'm doing is just forcing people to hear the stories that I thought were interesting. It's just like, oh, you got to hear this. Let me put this down on paper. And I just leave it there and I walk away and go find the next one. Same. It's just so many. There's so many. Same. That's literally like, I think you just, uh, gave a perfect description of what it is that I, I've the point of bluntly back girls, like the idea behind it. Like, let me bring some people that I think are interesting to y'all because they need to, they should be getting the the shine that they deserve. So let me bring them to y'all and then I'll go find the next one. Yeah. Here's why I'm nerding out right now. Right. This story. It's just like, you know, so I, I am, I'm grateful to be in this world. Uh, it's not been easy. I really, right now, I am making a living writing for a non-cannabis brand um, because it is not easy to make a living in this industry. But also, I realize <clears throat> one of my big takeaways from, from this year, from 2020, is I need to take a break. I need more breaks. And uh, some of the stories, some of the realities of the cannabis industry have been so um difficult to take and tough to swallow at times that i think right now i it's i'm just kind of taking a self-imposed break from anybody any cannabis content right now i feel that because uh self-care is important and Uh, and and self-care to in terms of protecting your mental health mm -hmm. is like one of my my champion causes um especially in the black community was connected i think you were returning from a break right yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and um i am an advocate for when you realize that hey something is taking out of uh, taking more out of me than it is giving to me in this moment because it doesn't necessarily have to be like that all the time like like i said this this podcast is my everything it gives me more good than bad but when i was in that bad i needed to take a break so that i could finally get to the good right right so i i applaud you for knowing yeah that hey you know what this ain't working for me right now yeah (laughs) yeah i thank you i appreciate that uh this is the you're the first person i'm saying this to in a public in a public platform um I may post about it on Instagram. I, I don't know, but I just kind of feel like, um, and I think it's just how I feel about the year. I mean, I am taking like a week and a half off, like the last, I'm taking off the last week and a half of the year because I'm tired. I'm sure you can relate. Mm-hmm. Like, we are all exhausted. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really good opportunity for me to just kind of be in a, in a individual creative space, work on only things that soothe my soul, not be worried about making a living for a week and a half. And then just figure out, like, where do I want to go next as a cannabis journalist? What is what is my, what are my goals? What is it I wish to accomplish? Because it's still going to be happening, but it can't keep happening the way it's been happening for me. I got to do it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I appreciate you being um, so open, so blunt. Yes. Um, I, I truly, <laughs> truly appreciate it. Yeah, because it, um, that's not something that's easy to admit, especially for somebody who you seem, um, I don't want to say dedicated, like obviously you're dedicated, but I don't feel like that's enough, like of a word, like you seem very, 
go, 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 go. And like, let me keep, you know, working because, because this is what I love, but it it's also a lot of work. And so if you're always on and you never take that moment, like you, like I said, you burn out. And so for people who are naturally go, 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 it's very hard to one, take that break, but also admit that you need to take that break. So even that first step of saying, you know, this is what I need to do and let's do it. I, I appreciate your openness. <laughs> I applaud you for all of that. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. You go ahead and get your relax on, girl. I would say go have a spa day but and get like a massage or something. But the can world. I, I can do that. I do have a bathtub. I could, I could probably. At home spa day, yes. Yes. I could, I could create a situation. I got some I got some indica in the house. I got. And uh, see, well, the thing is you have a husband, so he can give you massage. I ain't got one of those. So I don't have nobody. All I really want is the massage. Like I've been. I do those when I'm like really like my back is really tight or my shoulders so like so when I really need to. But I mean, you're talking to somebody who would get a massage at least every three to four months. Like I love because I I carry all my tension in my shoulders, so I get really really tight. Um, yes. And so I love just going to have somebody like deep elbow in my back massage. Yeah. There's and no substitute for it. No. There's no substitute for it. And I don't want nobody that close to me right now. I know. <laughs> I, and I haven't no, since. Not. Yes. I know. I know. And so I'm like I the. Well, I found this um, CBD cream, and it's the only CBD cream that I've found that has actually worked for me. I've tried tons, and not saying I've seen CBD creams, the same exact ones work for other people. It just didn't work for me. But um, my mom actually found one that pretty much instantly I don't feel the pain. Um, But then I also just discovered uh, that stuff is like gold, so I'm very like sparse with it. is that why you don't want to say the brand? You don't want people to just Oh. Yeah. I'm just well, curious. Well, no. No, I could if I knew it. Okay. Miracle Tell something. Later. Yeah. I'll brand. send you, yeah, I'll send you a link. It's like Miracle okay. Wellness or something like that. I just sent it to another friend, but I don't, uh-huh. I don't have the bot. I don't have it near me, so I don't know. But it is amazing. I tell literally everybody about it, so no. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, don't buy up all my stuff now. <laughs> like, all the listeners okay. out there. Well, I, respect, I respect wanting to keep it on the quiet. So feel free. I'll, I'll receive the email. Yes. My yes, I appreciate that. See, the true journalism is coming out. I appreciate it. I am great at keeping things, everyone. <laughs> yeah, because it does, it does work really well. But um, mm-hmm. I was, I recently tried for the very first time, I've been smoking since I was in high school, but for the very first time, I tried CBD flowers. Yeah. Oh, what my God. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like. Oh, CBD flowers are a good time. I've yeah. never tried the flowers before. It's always been either the drops or topicals or, yeah. you know, other things like that. Well, pretty much those those two pills, maybe. Yeah, I've tried the CBD pills. And, wow. you know, they're like, eh, eh, eh. Hit or miss, and I'm like, I'm spending so much money trying different things, and nothing is working. And um, I got this actually by accident. I meant to order something else on online, and then (laughs) I was like, God damn it! (laughs) 
I was like, see, see, this is what happens when you're ordering shit online and you're high. You get the wrong damn thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, whatever, we'll try it. And I tried it and I was like, hey, my shoulder kind of moves again. <laughs> like it, it was amazing. So I was like, okay, so this is what we're, I started mixing it with um, my actual regular weed. And I was like, oh, this is great. So you now, yes, you have instant one-to-one CBD mm-hmm. weed. And then um, I love CBD flower. Because, like, if you love flower, it's just really nice to be able to be like, let me have a little CBD one right now if you need to kind of manage a pain relief situation. But, um, no, the first brand I saw that carried CBD flower was local brand, SF Roots. They're actually a social mm-hmm. equity brand. And I saw them, it was, um, I went to a 420 event at Magnolia Wellness um, Dispensary, which unfortunately I think is closed right now. Was that in San Francisco? Or is that in Oakland? Yeah. And they had a big 420, like, little booze festival. And SF Bruce was over there, and I thought their marketing was really cool. And I was like, angel food, CBD flower, what? And it was fantastic. I um there I love their packaging. It's so I love the bright colors, but like on the the black background, um it just like I feel like my eyes are always drawn to it. Yeah. And um very excellent marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And um I have tried their pre rolls, their sativa Mm. pre rolls, and. I think that was when I first started really paying attention to indoor and outdoor. Uh-huh. And I had got one that was outdoor. And I was like, it, I'm definitely high, but I cough a lot. So okay. I, 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 my roommate, she's like, well, maybe if you try indoor, then you won't cough so much. Mm-hmm. And so I finished those. Don't get me wrong. They were great. They were amazing. I love them. Yeah. I yeah. would reorder them again. But I think... Right. The next time I go f- to get something from them, I'm going to try the indoor stuff and see if that helps me not cough a lot. Oh, how interesting. So I have not explored personally, like, differentiating between indoor and outdoor. My favorite, my, actually, my favorite flower, um, which is Congo Club, Red Congolese. Actually, I think they are indoor. Um but I have never, I haven't conducted an experiment to see if I can tell the difference between the experience of smoking indoor versus outdoor flower. That's interesting. Um, my, like I said, I, that's why I haven't, I don't hit the joint very much when I'm actually recording because yeah. I cough so much that it, it, it would completely kill everything. Um, like I'll hit it here and there, but it's like, I'm praying the whole time that I don't start coughing. Yeah. Um, but it was really my roommate. And who told me, she's like, she was asking somebody um, when we were at the dispensary, she was like, yeah, what, what's the indoor or is this indoor or is this outdoor? And I'm like, why do you keep asking people that? Like, I know that there's a difference and I understand what the difference is, but why does that difference matter? Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, well, just it's just smoother. It just, I just, it, it hits better for me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I think you're high right now. So I don't know if you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then yeah and but you're right it's always been a common i prefer there's always been like a stated sort of preference and i right. never really thought much about that i just kind of am like i like weed right thank you look does it get me high <laughs> does it get me high but then um we went home and 
whatever I was hitting, it was, I was dying. <laughs> like I was, I was dying. And she was like, see, that's why you need to try it indoor. Cause maybe then you won't cough as much. Interesting. Yeah. But it, I have noted, you know how like you, you, you can't, sometimes you can't tell if you feel a certain way because you know that now, or if that's really how you feel. Like, is my brain just telling me this now because somebody else has said this? So that yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, (laughs) I can't really tell, but I, I, other brands I have like, okay, I can tell this is outdoor because it's a little bit more spicy in my throat. (laughs) Interesting. You have to, we, I think we're going to have to do like a test. An inspirational, I got to jot down an inspirational moment. Let me research. Yeah. I think we should do like a test, like the same brand. Like, obviously I, I wouldn't think that it would, well, I don't know. Could you have the same strain and one be indoor and outdoor, one be outdoor? Is that a thing? Yeah. Do they do that? So yeah. Okay. We got to find the same brand. <laughs> could be like I'm growing some outside and I'm growing some inside. Yeah. We need to find somebody like that has that so we can try the same strain but one's indoor, one's outdoor and I I'll let you know if I die. <laughs> which one which one makes right. Well, no, but okay, let me say. Let me be clear. When I say die, I mean like I cough a lot and it looks like I'm dying. Yeah, like, it feels like it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm going to look this up. I mean, for all I know, there's like extensive reporting on this i'm just i just it's similar just what you said like is it is it like marketing is Mm -hmm. it like fed into the mind Mm -hmm. like a psychological thing and now now i'm having like physical reaction to something in my head or is this really what's happening like it'd be interesting if the body is actually responding to there being more uh a, a different type of cannabinoid profile because it was grown indoor versus outdoor i don't know or maybe there's a moisture component that's causing the coughing or yeah i don't mm-hmm. know something about the drying maybe it's a drier and that's indoor. normally what it is when i start coughing is it, it's the dryness in my throat right here and yeah. and that's what produces the cough i also have to say that i have asthma <laughs> so okay. i really yeah. probably shouldn't be smoking anyways yeah Same. but Same. it's not a it's not my asthma i've had it my whole life and I'm very lucky in the fact that my asthma almost never bothers me unless I'm really, really sick. Um, so I do take advantage of the fact that I can still smoke most of the time and it not bother my asthma, but I do cough a lot more because Mm -hmm. I I feel like my lungs just start closing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. A friend of mine emailed me yesterday. She was basically like under this quarantine, I'm smoking a lot. And I noticed my asthma is getting, you know, riled up and like, I'm a little bit concerned about it because obviously COVID and this and that, what should I do? Oh, and then she also expressed like for her edibles are too, she gets too high on edibles, just mm-hmm. not a comfortable place for her. So, you know, yeah, it's COVID. This is a lung disease. Obviously, you know, anything that irritates the lungs is risky. Smoking mm-hmm. is risky, smoking anything. But I do think like you mentioned obviously you described like being mindful of your own lifestyle and understanding your own body you're not seeing anybody too right so Mm -hmm. you're not putting your you're not out right you know the whole foods or wherever 
exposing yourself potentially to lots of people. So, you know, and then I recommend it for her. Like I found a water pipe that I love a few months ago and just like filtration wise, you get a little of that filtration with a water pipe. So we've been really enjoying that. And then what's great about weed is like cannabis, you can layer so many different things. So you can take an edible, go ahead, enjoy your herb, smoke it. And then like an hour later, you're starting to feel the effects of that edible. So if you don't feel like you should smoke as much, maybe that's a way to kind of cut back. So. And then I also heard the the water pipe. That's very interesting. I'm very, I have to look into that. Um, I know I told my aunt that for Christmas, that's what I want is a bong. I don't have a bong. So I told her that's what I want for Christmas. I want you to buy me my first uh, water bong, but water pipe. I like this. This is interesting. We'll have to look into that. Um, and I can't. I can send you the one I got. Um, and I don't know that I think it's really a bong. It's just a short, shorter bong. one probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the, I understand the edible thing because I, it's not that I don't, I won't take edibles. It's just, it's not my favorite. Cause it's very, yeah. it's harder for me to control the high. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been too many times that I have overdosed myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and yeah. and overdosing on edibles is a real thing. Like it is yeah. a very real thing. Yeah, um, it's not fun. You yeah. don't want that. It's yeah. not as bad as a hangover or being, you know, throw up drunk, but it's it's pretty fucking close. It's just hours. Okay? Yes. It's just, it's, just it's pretty it's pretty close to the amount of misery. Yeah. Um <laughs> If you have an underlying respiratory condition. If you've got an underlying respiratory, Mm -hmm. I had childhood asthma, same. Mm -hmm. And and I have had periods where I'm just so attached to my weed that I have, like, I can hear myself wheezing. And that's my clue to my (coughs) I got to kind of chill out a little bit or I got to stop it with the pre-rolls and I got to move back to my water pipe. I got to change something. And that that has worked for me. That's working. But that's like, just like you found what works for you but right that's very much an individual that's an individual experience but yeah. that's part of you know what makes like, cannabis great yeah it's that's part of what we want we want to be able to customize our our wellness to suit our individual needs right can one of wonderful things about weed it lets you do that I agree very much. Um, I always like to do temp checks, you know, check in, see, like you said earlier, see how um, people are doing. Because I feel like that's one question that um, as a community of black people, we don't ask each other enough. So how are you doing? How has your week been? Thank you for asking that. Um, So it's Monday. My week is starting out good. I was very intentional this weekend with resting. Um, I found a wonderful new show on HBO Max called uh, The Great Pottery Showdown. It's just a bunch <laughs> of people making pottery. That's all that is. It's a competition show. That's it awesome. like warms my soul. It <laughs> makes me so happy. So, uh, yeah, no, I I am good. A couple of days ago, and you, this is part of why you asked the question. It was a different story. I, mm-hmm. I had a I had a bad day. Um, for no specific reason other than, you know, this shit can get to you sometimes. The lockdown gets to you, not being able to see your family gets to you, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. but what I did on the weekend, I'm feeling really good today, and I'm really working towards a break. I'm working towards that that time off, so there's that's on the horizon. I feel good about that. 
Yeah, and like I said, I, I'm so glad that you're able to recognize um, that, okay, we need a break right now. Um, cause that is very hard to do and to admit and to actually follow through on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy to hear that your week's gotten better though. Cause yeah. you know, everyone has bad days. So we just want to make sure we don't have like all bad days. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Once you have a bad day, I try to take lessons from the bad days. Right. Right. You there's know? a, there's a silver lining somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so let's try and find that and then build on that the next day. Well, honey, the biggest silver lining is we are alive. Yes. Yeah. Especially so, right now. We made this shit through. We are right. still here. Especially oh right now. Wow. Because that is, that is actually saying a whole lot yeah. right now. Yeah. I um, mean, incredible. So, you know, I got to keep that hope up. Yes. Keep hope alive. Yes. Um, so what are you smoking? What are you smoking today? This is how I, we, I got, you asked me what I was smoking, so I won't be rude. I'll go ahead and answer you first. Cause you asked me yeah. first. So yeah. today, um, I am smoking CBD flowers, half CBD flowers. And it's from, I, th- I don't know if it's Gava, Gava, Grava. There's some letters that starts with a G. Um, I will, I'll find it, but it, that's CBD. And then I mixed it with circles, chem, taffy which is a hybrid um i mean it's cool it yeah yeah, it it's uh it does its job i more got it because i ordered the cbd online and you had to get like a threshold and so that was just like the first thing i saw okay yeah right Right, exactly and i i I i'm trying to open my horizons my yeah. weed horizons. Oh, I love um, that. What a, great, what a great horizon to be traveling. Right. It, yeah. It sounds like a great journey to me. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what I'm smoking. The I feel pretty relaxed. My body is definitely relaxed. My shoulder is not bothering me thanks to that CBD. And then yeah. the hybrid I found, I used to not do hybrids very much because mm-hmm. I was, like, strictly a sativa girl. Mm-hmm. Um, indica normally puts me right out. Um, yeah. and so hybrids, even that would like make me sleepy, but I guess my tolerance has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, because even indicas don't put me out like the way they used to. Um, yeah. and this one feels pretty like my eyes feel heavy, but my body feels energized. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I think that's the, probably the best way to describe it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I support all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what are you smoking today? So my favorite brand is the Congo Club, and Red Congolese is their. This is what they are known for. This, by the way, this is a. This, the owner of this brand is a woman. She is black. She is queer, and she is a veteran. I love so, all of that. Yes. Um, but this weed, this is a sativa dominant. It's a landrace sativa. It is indoor. Um, I used to really not do sativas. I used to kind of do, uh, I was indica for a long time and then hybrids. Um, this is the only, this has been my go-to brand, like pretty much since about June because it, the uplift is so great. And, but it doesn't necessarily, even though I'm chatty, I can kind of be quiet. Mm-hmm. So there's some, it, it, it has a nice balance of just like fuzzy, uplift, 
energizing, but also you don't have to be doing shit. You don't have to be back to <laughs> it right now. <laughs> so um, I love this brand. I advocate for it all the time. Um, the owner, Amber Center, is probably sick to death of me loving it so much on Instagram, but I love it. <laughs> and it really has helped me a lot this year. I love that so much. Um, I have not heard of them and now I'm very interested. Um, so for, I have, yeah, I have two questions for you. Um, one, um, are you a naturally energetic, hyper go, go, go kind of person? No, I'm, I'm pretty laid back Hmm. and I'm, I can be very lazy. (laughs) me too (laughs) me too and the reason I ask that is because I've been like trying to run my own little experiment um, that or support my theory that um, people who are naturally like hyper energetic uh, like to talk a lot always like moving around and stuff like, like that kind of like natural energy type of people tend to go towards indica because it calms you. Uh-huh. And so like, it kind of brings, brings you down a little bit. Whereas me, like I'm naturally lazy. Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to lay in bed all day and like, I could lay in bed all day for like, if you let me, <laughs> maybe by day three or four, that's when I'm like, okay. I should probably get up. <laughs> Right, right. Then I'm like, look, okay, now you're pushing it. Now this is this is really lazy. Where, yeah, like, like this is even bad for you. <laughs> like this would be horrible for most people. Yeah, <laughs> that is me. Like, so I have I have to get something that's going to get me up and moving and get me yeah. to be productive because that is what I want to do. I want to be productive, but if you let me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I, I wish I could find a job to get paid to sleep, because I would be a millionaire. Like, okay. I'm gonna, I'm putting that in the in the brain mm-hmm. because when I come across that one day, I'm gonna be like, ma'am, I know who this goes to. Like, who this job this thing goes to? A professional okay. sleeper. Professional sleeper. Okay. That is yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine there's got to be something like that. Someone has to test mattresses and like 15 minutes on the mattress not enough you need a whole night because you toss and turn like how do i feel in the morning like do i want to get up and boogie or do i just want to like am i who's the model for the sleep number bed i don't know what person or is that a sleep person right so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep an eye out for you yeah i appreciate that i i really do truly because (laughs) i will thrive (laughs) naturally thrive there I I want a plaque that says VP of Sleep Operations. Well, everybody, America. This. <laughs> that that would make me so happy inside. But while that is what I'm naturally talented at, I do want to do things. I want to get up and be motivated, and you know, I have all these ideas that I want to do. Um, yeah. So I use sativa to, to to motivate me and to get me focused on what it is that I want to do. And that's what I tell people all the time. I work better high 
because it helps me focus. It gives me the motivation. It keeps me going. I can get lost down a rabbit hole of whatever it is I'm trying to do for hours. Whereas without the weed, I'm probably going to lay in bed and watch Netflix. Sure. Like, so, but. The shows will not watch themselves. Okay? No, it is important work. I am. Right. I, I have got to get back to girlfriends. Exactly. I, we're going to get back to that later. Yes. I just watched, by the way, I just watched online seasons of the game. I just finished that. I couldn't do the game. I couldn't, I because I the game actually watched most of that when it was on TV. I did. Yeah. Um, Not all of it, but most of it. Um, So I said I was going to do, watch the game last, but Uh um, I watched, I started with Moesha because that was the first one that came out. Oh, Moesha was the first one. And Moesha got on my damn nerves. I wasn't into Moesha because I was older. She was just too young. Yeah. Girlfriend, and then I loved the game, but I couldn't keep track of it because it kept moving. moving. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I actually got to binge online seasons just now is just like, ah. man. I think I'm on season four or five of Girlfriends. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I have to get back to Girlfriends. Um, to to answer your question, I think that's an interesting theory. The that kind of a more energetic personality might, might be more drawn to indica. Yeah, but you just disproved my theory. <laughs> well, so here's but see, what I was going to speak to is like, what's great about weed is like you kind of get to decide. I mean, if you, there's so many just like um, nuances, ways, you know, ways yeah. to be helpful, right? Like, I think for me when I when I first started like really exploring cannabis, it was later in life. It was only, I mean, I think I haven't been smoking any. Like, I've been smoking like 10 years. This is when I met my husband. He got me into it. My gateway, <laughs> if you will. Um, but um, when I first started, I just kind of, for, for me, it really was such a relaxation thing. Like, I had never had anything that just, like, really just ch- just chilled my body out. I was working a very stressful job. Like, the beginnings of that, that was, like, for, that started, like, four or five years of me working a very stressful job. And so... You know, it served a purpose for me then, and that's why Indica was just, like, such a long... I had a long love for Indica. And then I got to a point... It's interesting, it's the opposite journey of yours, Mm -hmm. where I was a little too sleepy and a little too um, relaxed. And so I thought, okay, well, hybrid... Oh, and we grew hybrid. Um, We used to grow. And we grew a couple hybrid strains that were just, like, feeling right for, like, a daytime kind Mm -hmm. of post-dinner where I wasn't so sleepy, it was just kind of still, like, relaxed, but also I could, you know, I don't know, play dominoes. <laughs> something, I don't know. And, you know? And then that was, I rode that way for a long time, and then just, like, this year, because I'm stressed out, feel a lot of anxiety, you know, feel a lot of sadness, um, sativa really is, like, this particular one. I've tried a few different ones, and this is Red Congolese just really like helping kind of work, like give you joy on that the yeah. sad the sad stuff down. Because you know we're all I mean I think we can all agree that we are all suffering from PTSD. I mean, and I'm not even talking about Black people. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the collective, um, and that's on top of as Black people everything, everything else, else that yes. we have had to endure. It has been such so, a year. It's yeah. 
Yeah. It has been, I feel like it's been such an emotionally draining year. In every way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. Cause look, cause we can go, I can go there and I feel myself Wait. going there and I'm like, nope, we're not doing that today. We're, we're going to be joyful. But I want to hear more about this, uh, red Congolese. So where can I find this? Um, so I order it through, they, Shady Pines Delivery. That is also owned by the same founder. Um, and so I have a subscription. <laughs> um, so Shady Pines Box Club. Mm-hmm. You can go through there. Um, but I think Congo Club's available. I know it's at Harborside in Oakland. I'm pretty, it's probably San Jose too. Yeah, I'm um, wondering. I, I n- get it never go to Harborside. Saba, Padre Moo. Um, you know, just, uh, I, it's, she's, she's got distribution. So yeah, look it up. The Congo club and it's red Congolese. That's the stream. I definitely will be because I'm very interested. Uh, the joy part is that you said it just gives you joy and just uplifts you. And yeah. Yeah. And as much as I, I am, huh? It just feels good. Yeah. And as much as I'm trying to, like I said, expand my cannabis horizons, um, I always love my, love me a good sativa. Like, I always get a sativa and then something else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> have on hand. Yes. 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 Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I mean, really, let's just keep it real. Just have an assortment. That's the best part. You mm-hmm. get to decide based on how am I feeling today? How am I feeling this hour? Mm-hmm. Let me just do something <clears throat> private. Let right. Do this now and be in that space, you know? Because there's times, like, in the morning I, I'll wake up and... I have a joint and then halfway through the day I may smoke my pen. Um, yeah. you know, I may go hit the pipe a couple times and then at night I drink my cannabis tea. So yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, like they're like, Are you high right now? When am I not? I mean That is the real you're question. Balanced. You're balanced all day. <laughs> yes. That's what's happening. Yes, all day. And I, like I said, I I also think I'm a lot more interesting when I'm high because I just everything that everything that I be thinking in my head it just be coming out, and you know I I personally think I think some interesting stuff. I mean that's for sure. Like doesn't everybody? I'm I'm grateful to you for this platform because I have to say, smoking you know really outside of my home with anybody other than the person I'm married to is not something I do. And it's because of the self-consciousness mm-hmm. it's insecurity. It's, am I going to get in trouble? <laughs> so that's old shit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what do I look like when I'm high? How do I sound? Do I sound stupid? You know, so those are things that I am working through slowly. And so I love that we have this opportunity to do this, but I love though. I go so inward with weed. It just takes me there. That's uh. just, my body everything even with the teeth it's just like the thoughts are happening maybe i jot them down but it's just inward you know yeah my mom is very much the same way she's very much um it's a secret and you know if other people know then they're gonna judge me and i was like and and, and i'm i realize that you have to come to terms with that in your own time so I don't try to, you know, pressure enter anything, but I do let her know, like, you know, you're, you're right. Like they may judge you, but the point is to get to the point of who cares. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that, that's, that's the journey that you want to take. Not how do I do this in secret so I don't get judged, but how do I do this? Because it's something that I want to do and not care if I get judged. One of the 
the things I was really looking forward to this year before COVID was just like more cannabis lounges opening and public spaces. I was really super excited about that. Just like visualizing being in like what would typically be a beer garden, except it's just a bunch of folks just chilling out, enjoying their herb, enjoying the sunlight, sunshine and the wind and the, mm-hmm. just like, or, or a, a nightlight, you know, go on a date, you know, we go some beautiful indoor you know environment where it's just cool music and people just chilling and smoking and i've been to a couple things like that um and i just was really excited for that to kind of be like the next wave of you know stuff happening in california but it's gonna have to be on hold for a little while so yes i agree with you um that was very much where my mind was at at the beginning of this year and the end of last year and then covid said no yeah, COVID was like, not this, not today. Yeah. COVID said, hell no. <laughs> Let me show you what's really going to happen. Let me show you what's really going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So someday in the future, yes. I don't know, maybe we'll pop. <clears throat> right. Well, I feel like I don't want to be a bubble person. No, but like actual little pods. Like you can be like in a. Oh, I'm, you know, like, if it was I'm like too little, claustrophobic for that. Like, no, I, I need to. Small, yeah. I need to breathe. I need air. <laughs> I don't even like elevators. Like my my family and friends all laugh at me because I will get on some elevators if it looks like it's big enough and we're not going that far. But the whole yeah. time I'm on it, I'm like I'm praying. I'm damn near hyperventilating. Like I don't like elevators because if you but really. Here. If you really think about it, right, it's yeah. just a metal box on a bunch of string going okay. up and down. Who? Yeah. I don't know the man who made this. <laughs> I don't know the man who inspected this. How am I? Why am I supposed to believe that he did his job correctly? Because he don't care. He don't care. I mean, they're all reasonable questions. No. And I also time, don't you like. You need to get up to the twelfth floor. Is not the time to be thinking about. That. Well, look, that's what I said. The twelfth floor. I ain't walking up them steps. No. So we just gonna hyperventilate in the damn elevator, and hope and pray that this is not the day I go. <laughs> okay, oh, it's so oh. much. And I remember. Okay, this is just a random. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, before COVID. I um, did DoorDash. I did DoorDash deliveries. And I was doing the last delivery, like, of that night. And it was at a, um office building. Okay. And so, <laughs> I went in, and there's the bank of elevators, and there's a guy already standing there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody's standing there waiting for an elevator, like, I... He, he, we're on the ground floor that you can't go down so he must be going up right so I didn't think to press the button or anything and yeah. so then I get in the elevator he gets in the elevator we go up and then he gets off right okay. and then I'm in the and I'm on my phone so I'm not really looking around or paying attention the door closes and the elevator didn't move <laughs> like it didn't start moving and I'm like okay let me press the button because you know I'm, I'm distracted yeah. There's no fucking buttons. What? There's no buttons to press. <laughs> what? So, it's like a so, so no, there's nowhere to even put a key card. There's nothing except an emergency button. What black mirror? Yo. 
I'm already scared of elevators. But again, this was something that was like on the 15th floor or something. So I knew I was going to have to get in the elevator. For me, it's better if I focus on something else and I just like not pay attention, put my mind somewhere else. And so I was in my phone. And then when it didn't move at first, I'm like, oh, you didn't press the button. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You're, go to press the button. No fucking buttons. Okay, then, okay. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, how? How do I get out? What do I do? I literally started panicking. And then the door just opened. I have no idea. Because there wasn't even an open and close. Like, and the door just opened because somebody else was, was coming in. Okay. And I was like, how? How did you do that? She's like, the, the buttons are on the outside. Like, you're supposed to press the floor before you even get into oh the elevator. God. I have never seen it. I said, what like kind of newfangled fucking elevator is this? They should put I a sign. I really, I walked into <coughs> the future today. I was making a delivery. I was like, there's no instructions? What? You guys ain't going to tell nobody? <laughs> oh, my God. I literally had a breakdown in my car. Like, I had, a like, a, a, a delayed panic attack yeah. <laughs> in my car. I was like, that is the most ridiculous it's thing. Many unknowns. If you're not comfortable <laughs> as it is with elevators, like you don't need that. You don't need to know surprises like that. Oh you know? my God. And I, and then I go and tell my mom and she's just dying laughing. Yeah, she loves it. She, she thought it was the most hilarious. She's like, I wish I was there. I wish you were there too. Cause maybe you would have told me to press the button in the beginning. <laughs> you know I don't I don't like small spaces and I don't I don't just in general like elevators and so it was just a bad combination yeah no elevators are not they're not the you know they're not the funnest thing but I that's a that's a, such a common fear because right like right there's a lot of trust we're trusting a lot with that there's a like, lot of trust <laughs> and when you know what if the rats are up there eating that shit and they just they just they just cut through it and then just in a movie or two anything is possible at this point too it's 2020 uh-huh <laughs> i do not yeah goodness well no i've never worked in a building that i had to go in an elevator with. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I lived in New York for a time, and uh, I, I lived on the 12th floor in an mm-hmm. apartment building in Harlem. And sure enough, there was one day, do you know there was one day that elevator was out? I lived there three years. I'm lucky it was only one day. Right. 12 flights of stairs. I thought I was going to die. That sounds miserable. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so brutal. I get but, mad about walking. I live on the second floor, and I, I, you do not know how much doesn't get done because I don't want to walk down uh, down the stairs because then I have to walk up the stairs. The down is not the problem. I just don't want to return. <laughs> I get it. It's a lot, you got other considerations. Yeah, right? I'm like, you know, maybe that can wait, and then when you leave later, you already have to go down and back up, so you just do them right. at the same time. You know what you're doing? You're strengthening your strategy. Oh, right? I, I plan you out everything. <laughs> I am going to find the most efficient way for me to not have to do any extra work. Are you a Libra? I'm a Leo. Oh, you're a Leo. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm a Libra. God, are we the same? Right. I'm talking to my sister right now. Yeah, so no. Cool. I literally... Yes, yes, yes. My mom gets so mad. Like, 
like today we ran errands and she's like, okay, well, I got to do this and this. And I'm like, okay, well, we go here and then we go there and then we go here and then I'll come here and do this and then I can be on the call and then I'll come back and you will have already done this. And she's just sitting there watching me. She's like, you have serious problems. I was like, no, because if we don't do it in this order, then we're backtracking and that means we're wasting time. Uh, project management. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I do not like wasting time or energy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I want to tell you, look, where do you think I got this from? I got it from you. Nice. <laughs> like, I am your child. I know. Moms are always like, you sew this. It's like, come on, lady. Right. Who taught me? Who taught do me? I to, do I need to show your seat? Right. Yeah. Just look in the mirror. <laughs> um, you know, we haven't even gotten to our, our high blessings yet, our affirmations. Um, I had one this morning and I didn't write it down. Hmm. And I'm trying to remember what it is, which is not really my strong suit memory. <laughs> <laughs> I forget everything. Dang. And I was like, yes. Because I normally wake up and I kind of just like have a moment to breathe and stuff. And that's normally when I, you know, get my affirmations and stuff. And I cannot remember what I said this morning. Well, anything kind of sticking to you today after the day you've had um i get shit done which is like actually my life motto like mm -hmm. my or i would say my life motto is i always find a way because i feel like that's been proven i've proven that to myself like yeah. i literally always find a way mm -hmm. um to do whatever it is i want mm -hmm. um that's where that that leoness comes in like once i get an idea in my head like you can't tell me shit Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and use that one. I like that. That works. So, um, my high blessing for the day is I get shit done and I always find the way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, oh. yeah. Cause I'm gonna have to figure out a way to make this soup. Cause I definitely want that. Yeah. But I still gotta go back to my mom's house. I was supposed to marinate some chicken too. Damn. I forgot about that oh. too. Well See. then you know what? You're going to use that strategy to come up with a shorter path to that soup. That's mm -hmm. all good. I think I'm going to put it in the crock pot if I just throw everything in the crock pot and then go to my mom's house. Okay. And then come back. Look at that. Look at that. See? It helps to talk through things. Yes. Really, uh, communication. Yes. Even if you're just talking to yourself, it's not weird. It, it's productive. <laughs> um, my affirmation is I am worthy because I exist. I love that. Um, Part of my healing work over the summer, I did um, a racial healing from racial trauma workshop, and um, that was one of the profound things that came out of that experience for me. She had us speak this affirmation, and it was it was it got me choked up the first time I said it because I literally have never said that to myself, mm -hmm. and so now it is a fixture in my mind. Um, it's something that no one should ever ever doubt. And yet so many of us, you know, struggle with our own worthiness. So mm -hmm. I am worthy because I exist. I absolutely love that. And I agree with everything you just said. Um, I It reminds me of something one of my other guests said. Um, she, she has a brand that's called Goddess, Goddesses. And I was like, so how did you come up with this? Like, where'd that come from? Where'd the idea come from? And she's like, you know, I was just thinking, like, when you hear the word goddess and you picture something in your head like how often do you actually picture yourself yeah 
like when you when I when I ever I hear the word goddess, I think of a Egyptian goddess, a Rome Roman goddess, Greek goddess, like you know these regally gorgeous, beautiful women, you know, or or warriors, like things like. But why don't you ever think of yourself? Uh-huh. Like yeah. you are a goddess. Like you are worthy of thinking of yourself when you think of words that that hold that type of weight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. yes. So that that's what makes that's what makes me think of that is like yeah I've you, you don't realize that you've never said that to yourself until you say it and you're like oh damn yeah I've never like, said well, this of course right oh of course I am a goddess right and and then that's when she said it I was like that's exactly what I said I was oh. I mean, yeah of yeah. course I should be thinking of me when I think of that word but yeah. we're so ingrained to not think of ourselves as worthy it, it really is true and even going back to the goddess example I, I remember I'm, I'm coming to grips with a lot of things about I, uh, that I thought about myself throughout my life that I now understand so much more clearly mm-hmm. are tied to white supremacy mm-hmm. I just legit and just that, that I have so much clarity and um, oh god I just hold on a second you lost it lost. It's, it's fine because this is my life. So when you stop thinking about it, it'll come back. And then it comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm, You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah. So don't worry. We can come back to this part. Here it is. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I remember as a little girl growing up, I, I had this thing in my head. I could never be conceited. I couldn't be conceited. I can't ever think that I am beautiful because that's conceited. Mm-hmm. And it is so old and so deep rooted. I don't even know where the fuck that came from i know my mother would never said that to me but i don't know where i got that from well i mean i just received a lot of negative messaging about my looks and my appearance that now i'm just like my god that's just ridiculous all of it was so ridiculous um had nothing to do with me and good lord i mean of course i'm a goddess and i'm worthy because i exist Mm -hmm. i mean of course you know and it's something that like it feels like like you said that of course moment but that you never think of and like even in terms of the conceited thing like if you think about it conceited is always a negative connotation Mm -hmm. like but really when you're when you're quote unquote yeah it's confidence like you have confidence that you are that bitch. Like I do, I does this. Yes. So if you want to call me conceited, like don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna like be like, oh, I'm better than you. No. But totally. even somebody, which that is what I think the real, true definition of conceited is, is where you think you're better than somebody and you're flaunting it. But I think it's used in a way to say, oh, you love yourself. Oh, you yes. must be conceited. And you don't ever want to be conceited because that's a negative thing. Right, right. It's a, a way of holding others back. Right. Others back. And, I mean, I don't have time for any of that shit anymore. No. Right. This is all, and I mean, I'm, I got to uplift myself, number one, right? So, you know, this is this is where we are. And this is, I love all of this beautiful, positive, you know, messaging, this reframing. Because the narrative has to change, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, give me one second, because I don't know if <sighs> my damn neighbors. Oh, what are you doing down there? <laughs> yes, let's get into the blunt talk. The actual, we didn't talk about everything else in life. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's been so much fun. Um, so like I said, I found you on Instagram and I was really, 
um, intrigued by your writings and your information, specifically in regards to so social equity in uh-huh. cannabis. And so um, it kind of spurred me to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, on online and just like find out what I could about what social equity is, what it means, you know, and how how can I do my part? Mm-hmm. So I'm queen of Googles. <laughs> I Google everything. If okay. I don't know what it means, hold on, give me a second. Let me Google it. So I Googled social equity and um, it, kind of, it, it said concerned with justice and fairness in social policy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very clean cut, right? But what social policy? So then I Google social policy and that it came with uh, a policy usually within a governmental or political setting such as the welfare of a state and the study of social services, mm-hmm. which then inspired me to say, okay, well, what exactly are social services? Mm-hmm. Um, and I promise this is the last one. <laughs> Um, so social social services um, are a range of public services provided by the government, private, profit, and non-profit organizations. These public services aim to create more effective organizations, build stronger communities, and promote equality and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right? So that last sentence is what finally... Like it clicked. I got it. I understood. It made me really understand. So I'm just going to repeat that one more time. Mm -hmm. These public services aim to create more effective organizations, build stronger communities, and promote equality and opportunity in cannabis. So that's what I, that's really what I got breaking all this down. Social equity is that last sentence in cannabis for black and brown people. I mean, I love that you went there and did that deep dive. That's amazing. I think, I think it's important, um, you know, as we are continue to be interested in this expanding industry and continue to enjoy the benefit of legal cannabis here. I think educating ourselves on this stuff is super important. So I love that you just like took that initiative and went there like that. What a great way to approach it. Actually. <laughs> um, I'm so, telling you the analytical mind. Is, yes. I'm telling you my mind when, especially when I'm high, that's why I get high. Yeah. Cause then my yeah. mind's like, okay, well then what's this? And I need like, let's peel those, those layers back. Like let's dig a yeah. little deeper until I get that aha moment. And that last sentence, I was like, okay, this is that aha moment. So the one, the one thing I'll change is the, the part of your um, summary that says black and brown people. Um, it also, like social equity really is meant to uh, create equality access for people who have been impacted negatively, who have been terrorized by the war on drugs. And yes, that is primarily black and brown people. Mm-hmm. So we have this multi-billion dollar industry. Everybody wants in. Jay-Z's monogram pre-rolls are out. Like, we're so excited, you know. And yet we have not only all these people that are still in prison, most of them are black and Latino, but we also have people who, like, are in prison and we have we have the, these laws passing and they can't even be a part of the industry mm-hmm. either because they are felons 
and or because they don't have the millions of, you know, the six figures or more it takes to get a license. They don't have the ability to get real estate in, uh, say, in the Bay Area. They don't have funding. It's like all of the, they don't know how to run a business because they've been in prison. I mean, it's all of these things. And what social equity is supposed to do is allow people who have had those circumstances, who have who've lived in the neighborhoods where the cops were terrorizing families and like stopping and frisking and all of that stuff, allow those people um, inc- and increase access to opportunity by kind of li- reducing those barriers of entry, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a handout. Nobody's getting anything for free. You still have to complete very extensive application process. Um, they typically, um, social equity programs waive the fees, so you save some money there. But if you're filling out an application, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. How do I know what I'm saying? Like, I need a lawyer to kind of maybe check and make sure that I'm describing everything in a legal way. I need somebody to make sure that I'm fulfilling all of the requirements of the application. You know, these things cost money. I don't know anything about uh, accounting and, and my P&L. So I probably should have an accountant, somebody who knows how to do that, help me figure out what my numbers are, because that's also part of your application. I probably should write a business plan. Um, I am. A, I happen to be a writer. I've written a few business plans. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I was so, just about to say that. And those, like, people think that business plan writing is easy and it's quick and done. And oh, this is my business. I can do that. Let me tell you, they're not as. If you want it done right, if you're going away, and you want it to be effective. Then and, and when I say effective, I still don't mean that, oh, just because you have an effective business plan, somebody's automatically going to invest in your business because that's no. not how it works either. But no. if you want to even get your foot in the door, your business plan has got to be 100 percent, 110 percent. Right. And so so federally illegal entity exactly so it has to expectations are higher that's another like you said, that's another additional cost finding somebody who can actually do that in a way that um you can get accepted or even get the chance to be accepted, which is still, totally. yeah. Totally. So it's, I mean, those are just a few of the things, um, that, that, you know, I mean, have to happen in order for you to try to get a license. But if you're a social equity applicant, you also have to have like the ability, you've got to find these resources from somewhere. California, I believe now is funding social equity programs. So there's more funding behind it. I know Oakland has like, you get, you can get access to technical support. You can work with, business professionals on, on things like your uh, business plan and stuff like that. So, you know, that kind of stuff is important. But overall, the reason why we need cannabis social equity is, you know, cannabis is legal in most of the country. It's not legal federally. That may happen very, very soon. But just because something becomes legalized doesn't mean the, the switch is automatically flipped. Jails are open and people who were inc- formerly incarcerated get out. they got to get their records expunged. Like, there's all this stuff that needs to happen. And that should happen and social equity just makes it more possible for people who have been most impacted by the drug war be able to parlay and get into this industry which you know we want and we want the industry to make money so to me the perfect people to be in this industry are folks who were convicted of cannabis crimes they understand cannabis right you know they were doing this before y'all like you yeah. literally locked them up for doing the thing that you're doing now, and they yeah. probably did it better because they had to do it in secret. Somebody who, somebody who was the plug has a built-in customer base. I mean, right. what do we? But and like I said, I I forget who I told that to. I was like, I my thing is like, wouldn't you want to employ these people because 
they were doing this shit in secret and on a grand scale in secret for years and got away with it. Like that type of business savvy is an asset. It's an invaluable asset. So frustration with, with legalization, it's like, we're still as a society conflicted. We're going to legalize it, but we're not going to do anything to help it actually succeed. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it is to me this capitalist society it should understand that if you're creating um a legal industry out of the underground absolutely employ the people who were working in the underground they get it they help create it yes they know this we have cannabis culture right you know but we're not that's not happening because uh, the people passing the laws are actually not very comfortable with it or they're allowed and then the only like, reason they're comfortable with it is because of money that's the only reason the yes right. they they see the money they see the benefit the, the money for that and that is the only reason that yeah. they are comfortable with it so they're still not comfortable with you getting your just due they're comfortable no. with I can profit off this so how and can and then also getting my just due would mean admitting I was wrong right and our we got our elected officials have a hard time doing that. We can't we we, we struggle with that one. Very so, much so. Yeah. I mean it's it's it takes a lot of soul searching. But I mean the fact that there are social equity programs out there and that they exist is is wonderful. A lot now a lot more jurisdictions now that are coming in, like that's part of their thinking from the beginning versus legalizing first and then social equity later. I wish more jurisdictions um, had thought about that before. Um, you know, we're still dealing with the same shit. Um, but we, but we know this, you know, I mean, I, I said this to someone, uh, like last year, like we're, they're not going to give it to us. We got to take it, you know? So we're going to, we're going to raise hell when there's not a social equity program. We're going to raise hell about it. And I think that's, what's important. I think there's so much, um, engagement, um, and galvanizing around this stuff. I think there's a greater awareness about it. Like you and me talking about this right now, there's going to be somebody who's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And that is what this is about. Absolutely. We want, we want information out there. Absolutely. That's exactly why I wanted to, I felt like doing this episode and really explaining. Um, Cause like I said, I didn't, I heard the word, you know, you always hear the words, but I, I wanted to really know what it was, what, and what I can do to, to do my part. Um, so I want to rewind a little bit. Um, and I, social equity is, um, a direct demand, um, or direct response to the war on drugs. Yes. Right. So, um, can you give us a quick, breakdown of the war on drugs and like how that started how that impacted um black and brown people um how that then eventually turns into demanding social equity absolutely yes um so i think what's really important for people to realize is that cannabis was illegal for almost a century but it had no it had nothing to do with public health and safety so you know it was part of a broader agenda and i mean not to get to i'm not gonna go conspiracy theory on everybody but i mean i think we're not 
we're not we're all adults here we're not naive the, we've seen the government time and time again do things set things in motion that really kind of fulfill their interests more than like the citizens interests you know we'll take our pres our current president for example well all his shenanigans have nothing to do with america and have everything to do with him so anywho the cannabis became Cannabis became legal in the 30s, uh, really as a result of um, the first, the nation's first drug czar, Harry Anslinger, being in charge. When he got in charge, prohibition, alcohol prohibition had ended. So really, he was looking at a smaller, I guess, a, you know, to-do list, really, uh, of things to focus on in his in his job, and um, he he had issues with cannabis a lot of there's a lot of things online that attribute him to some statements where he talks about like um you know cannabis weed makes you know black and black people like forget their place and things like that i mean he's like a noted racist and there are some of his writings that you can find online but that support that um but you know he didn't have any scientific basis for his argument um around you know cannabis being a, a bad thing other than sensationalist news stories that were attributing like that were saying Mexican people who were high on weed were attacking white women and things like that. So, you know, we're talking about like racism. We're talking about xenophobia against me Mexican refugees that had come to America after uh, around the 19, I think it was like the 1920s or so just, you know, a lot of, a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment and it was just kind of like a perfect storm of opportunity for this person. So he kind of set the wheels in motion for cannabis becoming illegal. Essentially, it was like taxed so much that it just became untenable to even bother with it. And hemp got lumped into that. Hemp is a type of cannabis plant. Um, you fast forward to like uh, when Nixon was in office. And again, this is another person that had a lot of issues with, he has issues with the civil rights movement, so racist. And he had issues with the counterculture all those hippies smoking weed uh, and it was a cause that he also took on and it was um you know kind of stoking the fear of these parents of the counterculture kids um you know we gotta we gotta keep drugs away from our children and that really enabled him to kind of like get galvanize a lot of support uh, for anti-drug policy stuff so he initiated what was eventually coined a war on drugs um, and President Reagan is the one who really turned it into um, just he just leaned all the way in on that. So it was under Reagan's watch that um, a lot of this because of just say no dare. There was a lot of just like full demonization of cannabis, you know, like, um, con you know, arrests contribute to like mass incarceration. Um, so. That is like my terrible, you know, sort of stoned history version <laughs> of, of prohibition. But the point is that, um, you know, these were all things set in motion, not because cannabis was actually killing anyone or actually causing people to incite violence. Um, these were these were changes made to suit particular agendas at the time. And um, unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of a lot of black and brown folks had to, to bear the weight of that and pay the price for that. So um, here we are. Yeah. And I, I think it's um, important, like you said, to really acknowledge the fact that the war on drugs is nothing more than racism. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, state, period. State. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. And... 
I, I meant to ask you earlier because I when again when I went and did my Googles and really started looking, you know, on the history of all this stuff before like uh-huh. preparing, um, I read the thing about, you know, that's where Dare started or how Dare started and just say no mm-hmm. and all that. And I remember being in school and I remember going to the Dare um um assemblies and stuff like that. So my question to you, when do you think you like finally realized that Dare was all a lie? Because literally it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually think I was, I was a kid um, because my dad smoked weed. Um, so even though Just Say No and Dare was absolutely, like, it was on my TV shows, Nancy Reagan's on different strokes and shit. Like, it was very much, I bought into all of that. I grew up with that. My dad smoked weed. I didn't I didn't associate what he was consuming with like the thing that was on the TV that like Nancy Reagan is telling me I, I need to avoid. But there I think at some point, maybe when I was a young teenager, there was a consciousness around that and a better understanding of it. And actually, um, in the like ninety six is when uh, medical marijuana was was legalized here in California, and my dad was extremely excited because finally he could legally purchase cannabis. He loved weed. Um, I feel now my, he's passed away, but I think in retrospect, I, he was a Vietnam vet. I imagine he had PTSD, and I imagine he had insomnia. I'm sure that that helped in addition to some emotional uplift. Um, but I think when I was a kid, I never, I never, I was always curious about drugs, right? Like the, you tell some, you tell a kid to stay away from something. That's of course right. like one of the things they want to know all about. And I've always been very, very curious about them, but afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear of them is the byproduct of just say no. I recognize I don't need to just, I'm 46 years old. I don't need to go out right now and go just because I want to experiment with life, try some crack. I have no desire to do that. But I've always felt that if a person chooses to uh, consume something that changes their, alters their consciousness, like they should be, a hu- an adult chooses to do that, like they should be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, and that may be kind of part of my Berkeley upbringing. I mean, I think weed was just kind of always there, even if I didn't really like, about it too much consciously I tried it here and there mostly in my 20s to like not great effect so you know it also didn't make sense to me for a time but I think probably I was I was probably a teenager when I realized this dare shit I don't know right I remember um I remember when my mom (coughs) excuse me I remember when my mom told me that she smoked and I was I was a kid I was like maybe eight or nine and so, like, right in that dare age, yeah. right, when they're, like, slamming dare down your throat. Yeah. And I remember crying. I remember I being so that. scared. And I was like, like you said, like, oh, my God, like, what what does this mean for me? Like, are my parents are drug addicts. And, like, I remember the fear that I felt. And my mom, like, she sat there and she talked to me. And she's like, you know, it'll never come before you. We are not drug addicts. Like, this is not you know, crack or meth or, or, you know, yeah, right. Right. And, um, and she, she did everything that I would have wanted, like looking back now, she did everything I would have wanted her to do to make me feel comfortable, but at the same time being very open and honest with me. Um, and I, then I remember like fast forward, 
to maybe it had to be junior year in high school mm-hmm. and um a friend she was like yeah you want to smoke sure fuck it why not and yeah. and in that moment before i made that decision i remember flashing back to my mom telling me like we smoke weed and the reaction that i had and i'm like but okay in all these years since that happened has she ever not been there for you has she ever like looked like a drug addict and like now i'm 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 a teenager so i know what a drug addict looks like and i know the things that drug addict like like hardcore drug addicts are you know do and that's not my parents so i don't really feel bad about experimenting and trying this because i know that they're good people they've always taken care of me and i hear them in their coffin all day long So if it worked for them, why can't it work for me? I just, you know, we, our culture has such a strange relationship with getting high and with inebriation and with, you know, all of these things. There's so much like, even, even I think drinking, there's a degree of like, even though it's celebrated more, there's very much a degree of like, you know, don't be drunk like don't go too far you know you it's very much like there's a there's a there can be a judgment enacted if one deems that one went too far you know i feel like that has a lot to do um with with respectability politics which i'm not a fan of um because i feel like you're you're telling me how i should react and i don't like that like I'm a react how I'm I, I'm a act, and if you don't personally like it or you don't think that it's quote unquote respectful, that sounds like a you problem. But I'm but good over here. Like, yeah. Why are we, we gonna be all up in each other's shit like that? Like, why can't we just let each other be? Sometimes? But and then and then there's so, so there's so much of a there's so much of a like expectation that you're not supposed to be doing things like getting high, but yet life is very challenging. I don't know anybody. Not that everybody I know gets high all by any means, but I don't know anybody who has a life so easy that they don't, they don't need, need a break. Kind of modality, mm-hmm. practice, or something to kind of help manage the stress and, and be more peaceful and, and manage the trauma. Everybody has trauma. So, like, I don't, I, I just, I look forward to a time when getting high maybe I think it's getting there I don't think there's so much of a like a stoner <laughs> about it anymore but but still like we're not all the way there we're not even halfway there but we are making baby steps I, I think we need to also like just manage our own expectations of ourselves right mm-hmm. sometimes you're not gonna ha- you're not gonna be able to make it without fucking just fucking having that weed right now sometimes it's just like I'm gonna lose my shit if I don't get a good night's sleep tonight because I have been dealing with insomnia for four days. Like, you know, I mean, like, we got to give each other that grace because we're all human beings. We're all struggling. I like know? to, um, my, my favorite question to ask is why? Like, that's yeah. the, my absolute favorite thing. Um, and it really helps me think through a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, my, my family and other people that I know, um, Literally, the point of this show is to make this a more acceptable thing to do out in the open, destigmatize, normalize, seeing yeah. especially black women smoking. Um, because, you know, when you see a black woman smoking, she's ghetto. She's she's right. probably on welfare. She doesn't right. take care of her kids. You mm-hmm. know, all these negative things. And I'm like, nah, like, 
again, I'm better when I'm hot. And so, um, it's helping me function right now. Yeah. 15,000 things. Like, I just handled 60 million. I don't know a single black woman who's not tired. Right. And so when people say, oh, or when people feel ashamed about saying, I'm a smoker, I consume cannabis, my question is always, well, why do you feel ashamed? Why do you feel like you have to do it in in, in secret? Answer, nine times out of ten, well, because so-and-so is going to judge me. Okay. And And again, you're probably right. Yeah. But why does that matter to you? Why does that matter to you to the point of you're not going to do something that makes you feel better because you don't want that person to have their own thoughts about you? Like that, their what yeah. they think about you literally does not impact your life. It doesn't impact your life. It, it, it means nothing. It does, and so, it's not going to impact your rent. It's not going to change your bank account. None it's of that. And so I feel like if we could, um, as a community get to the point of saying, you know what? Yes, I smoke. And, and, and what would you guys say about it? Right. Right. It does not mean that I'm any negative trait that you would give me. And don't get me wrong, because I don't think there's anything wrong with being quote unquote ghetto. I don't think there's anything wrong with being on welfare. I don't think there's anything wrong with being ratchet. I think that being you is what is always right. And right, right, but when I think that all the negative things that people think when they see a black woman smoke need to just be gone because yeah. there's no reason, like, why stop? You feel better, and how look, how many times. Have you wanted to party with the ratchet girl? She got like she have a fun time. She's fun. <laughs> so you're sitting here talking shit like, oh, that's ratchet. Yeah, but you want to drink with me. Like leave us alone. Just yeah. I'm more fun this way. Let us be. Yeah. But um, okay, so um I don't know how we got there. Yeah. But you know. <laughs> so what you you may have kind of answered this already but what uh-oh are you oh okay i was gonna say are you still there um <laughs> um what does social equity look like in cannabis and what do you think social equity looks like in cannabis for black women and i understand that that question that second part of that question is um maybe a little ahead of its time, Mm -hmm. right? But let's talk five, six years down the road. For black women? Yeah. Um, I think in general right now, what social equity looks like is um, a variety of attempts uh, attempts in different markets to really try to find a way to address this issue. You know, balance, you know, the, the challenges of this highly regulated, not federally legal industry and the realities of that with, you know, atoning for these very real circumstances that happen to these communities and enabling, allowing them to fulfill their American dream in the cannabis industry if they want to. So it's patchwork, it's piecemeal. Some, you know, programs are a little more successful or more robust than others. Some markets don't have social equity at all. I think really like the most immediate need 
hopefully and hopefully will be fulfilled soon is maybe everywhere where cannabis is legal there is a social equity program in place hopefully by 2021 so there's that as far as how that looks for black women that's a really interesting question i mean a lot of black women are involved in the cause um i i mentioned this brand that i love to smoke amber center is the founder she's also an advocate and she is a co-founder of Supernova Women, multiple black women co-founded that organization, which they work to make it easier for black and brown women to have a seat at the table in legal cannabis. She was one of the people involved in social equity here in Oakland from the beginning. Um, you know, we've got, and I believe on her team is Whitney Beatty. She's involved. We've got, you know, Cat Packers overseeing LA's um, cannabis industry. I mean, it's a huge role. Dashita Dawson, is a very well-known, very well-respected cannabis marketer, marketer in general, but cannabis marketer. She is now a regulator in Portland, so she is able to contribute a point of view, represent uh, for people of color, for black people, in a place that doesn't have many black people in it. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that black women are doing in this in this industry to try to get these things to happen. Um, and I mean, they work tirelessly. I, I. I only named like three. I mean, there's Wanda James. She was in that BET documentary, first black woman uh, dispensary owner. I mean, there's just so many of them, and they. This is this is part of why I uh, want to be a journalist in this industry because if I can tell one of their stories, I'll be really really happy. I try to source them as often as I can because they're experts. They know they know what they are talking about, and um, so you know, I mean five six down seven years down the road black women hopefully are just all of just dominating the leadership positions whether they are working for social equity brands or not you know as regulators as as um you know elected as lawmakers policy makers all of that i mean i think i think black women are absolutely making clear that they are they are in this industry and they are bosses and making making shit happen getting shit done so it's exciting yes i love that i am I agree. Um, and I think that the that last part of the question was a very last minute addition um, mm-hmm. um, to my outline. And it really made me think like, you know, what does that look like specifically for us? Because I do feel like before you can start um, changing course, you have to really get to the foundational things of that, what, what you're doing, right? So the foundational things of social equity to me are rectifying the wrongs that have been done. <clears throat> and that would be for any wrongs have, that have been done. So anybody who's incarcerated for, 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 uh, drugs, anybody who maybe isn't incarcerated, but has a, has a record. And so they can apply. And then from those, I feel like the next people in line should be people who want to get that business going. So whether those are sourced from the same people or other black and brown bodies, I feel like we should get that first step. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. then then you start thinking about, okay, well then directly me personally, how can this help me as a black woman? Where can I go from that? And I really couldn't think of an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And 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 that was why I wanted to ask you the question and um most of the women that you said I already follow. I think there was one or two that I didn't, so I'm going to go look them up when I um, you know, listen back to this. And I want to encourage any of my listeners to please go look these ladies up because, I, like I said, I know the ones that she did already list. 
um, I'm already follow that I'm already following are like powerhouses. Like they're 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 what I aspire to be in my own way, you know. Um, so yeah, so definitely I will put the names of those people in the show notes. Just quickly too, like though on a Morty, a very accessible level, people listening, you know, ask your dispensary for social equity brands, and if they mm-hmm. don't have them, call them out on that. Tell them that your expectation is that the next time you call, there will be some social equity brands on your shelves. I mean, we can we can um, support. We want we got to support these brands so they can make money and they can thrive and survive. So ask for them if you don't know um, if you don't know them by name. Um, that's okay if you don't follow any on Instagram or I mean Instagram is a great resource for just finding the brands but call your dispensary and be like tell me about your social equity brands and if they don't know what you're talking about be like you got to do better <laughs> right I love that idea I think it's something like I said the whole point of this episode was what can I do and I think that's a very palatable what can I do mm-hmm. um, and a very like you know like she said calling out the brands that you you want to see and that you know I know um, when I use the delivery app, like it has a has a spot that says social equity brands. Um, And that's always where I look first. And I do, you know, I try and find what I'm looking for and whatever they're offering in that section first. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. I think that is a black and brown owned because these dispensaries need to do, they need to be carrying these brands. And, and listen, like not everybody, I don't qualify for social equity. I have not been convicted of a cannabis crime. I did. I grew up in Berkeley. I don't think the neighborhood I grew up in, you know, fulfilled any kind of requirements around um, being targeted by the drug war, but I'm a black person in America. I'm a writer. I'm not swimming in cash. I have no trust fund coming my way. Um, But if I want to, you know, build a cannabis brand and that may be my future, you know, i got to raise a lot of money to do that, you know? So, you know, ask for Black-owned brands. They're not only social equity. There are plenty of them um, out there that are, I mean, and the weed is amazing. It is yes. such good weed. Because yes. they awesome. know what they're doing. Yes, they've been do- they know what they're doing. They know, yes, exactly. Yes, so, yes. yeah, we can all, even if we don't know anything about policy, we are just, that's not where our heads are at. We can support these brands anytime we buy. Yes. Get, I tell people all the time, give black people your money. Yes. It's Well, normally it's give black women your money, but yeah. we can admit yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm fine with Go that. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. My, husband, my husband's DJing right now. I don't know if you can hear that. Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so, um, we've been talking about legalization. Um mm-hmm. Our new VP, VP elect, elect Harris, um, very instrumental, involved in the Moore Act, right? And so we've been hearing, I've been hearing, I don't want to say we because, I mean, I don't know what y'all listening to, Um, (laughs) but I hear so much about the Moore Act, the Moore Act, and it's bad, it's horrible, or it's great. Congratulations. We're so happy this passed. Like, let's break down the more act. Like, a, a, a really kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, <clears throat> go from there. Uh, here, look, why don't we start with the good? So the reason why, so the more act, I, I had to look at my notes. <laughs> I got for notes. I just hit that weed. Um, 
M-O-R-E stands for the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. And what this is supposed to do, if passed, it would remove marijuana from the list of controlled, of scheduled substances. So right now, cannabis is a Schedule One controlled substance, which means the federal government feels that it has no, uh, it has a high potential for abuse and has no medicinal value. That is what that does. <laughs> And so what the MORE Act, if passed, would do would take it off of the schedule, that schedule, okay? So that's exciting, right? Because cannabis has been on the list of controlled substances. I think I think it got on the list in the 70s. Sorry. Oh, all right. <laughs> I think it got on the list in the 70s. And obviously we know that prohibition hasn't done anyone any favors. So, you know, there's um, taking it off of that is huge that it's a very very symbolic huge thing but but i think in the news coming out about that it gave people the impression that it would legalize marijuana if if the more act passed that's not what it would do by taking it off the federal controlled substances list means the federal government no longer views it as a controlled substance, but that still allows the states to decide on an individual basis whether or not to legalize, legalize for medical only, or keep it as is. So I think like a lot of excitement came out about that news, but I think that that part might maybe some people might have thought that means that we're this close to legalizing weed, um, and that's not quite true. Um, so I think that's an important distinction. Um, so I, I made some notes on some key considerations because I'm terrible about reading policy. Like, I know it's my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guarantee whatever you do will be 1,700 times better than what I would do. So I don't know. You described some epic Googling. And I, <laughs> got, I, I kind of got my deals, my uh, doubts. Okay. So it was passed by, I think, it was passed by the House. It has to go to the Senate. The assumption is that it probably will not pass the summit, the Senate because Mitch McConnell is, is running the show and he is not at all interested in legalizing weed. But where that could change a little bit is if we flip Georgia. If, mm-hmm. flip, if Georgia goes Democratic, that could, that could totally change everything. So theoretically, maybe it could, it could pass, but a lot of people are just viewing it as symbolic. Um, so if it, if it does pass though, um, the measure would impose a 5% tax on the retail sales of cannabis and that, that tax would be going to something called the opportunity trust fund. Um, the measure I'm reading from marijuana policy project, the measure was amended to start at 5% and increase to the tax to 8% over three years. There's going to be an office of cannabis justice to oversee the social equity provisions in the law. Um, so let me see here. What I just mentioned the social equity provision in the law. Where advocates are, are upset is apparently, even though that the bill calls for this community reinvestment grant program, um, there was an amendment that was added that removed a line calling it for it to specifically fund services to address any collateral consequences that individuals or communities face as a result of the war on drugs. So basically, it nullified the whole social equity program. So advocates are upset about that. Another thing... So wait, hold on. Yeah. Can you run that back real quick? I, I got a little lost. So in the original, the, the bill, if it was passed, there's supposed to be a 5% tax, and mm-hmm. that tax is supposed to 
supposed to go to an opportunity trust fund. Part of that trust fund is is like a community reinvestment program. Um, now, even though the bill does still call for the establishment of a community reinvestment grant program, there was an amendment that that was added that was stating, uh, the amendment, sorry, was removed that was specifically calling for that fund to fund any kind of, con- you know, considerations programs related to, um, you know, addressing the war on drugs. So that's, an, that's really nullifying. So, right, you want to have some program that has, <coughs> you have this amount of tax that goes into this funnel, but it's no longer just for social equity it's just yeah. money the part that said this fund will go to programs on, along this nature that part was removed that line was removed okay that so makes sense yes because then what's the why are we advocating for this if like it's literally just exactly what's happening right now that right. anybody can go in there that has enough money can go right. in and if they can fund whoever they want yeah no exactly well and it doesn't say like this money is going to social equity programs they're not it's not specifically it doesn't say where the money is going to go so, well we but we know where it would go i know oh, yes, we do. yeah we know it would um, go to the people that can can afford it or who have the nepotism to get it or right. who or the would just sit there and they would do nothing for it they would do nothing with it and people you know a social equity program would not be created i mean it would just yeah, if you don't say where the money is going to go, it's not going to go anywhere, and or it's going to be available for use for other departments, probably. Yeah. And then I'm trying to find it. I believe there was another statement in here. Uh huh. Okay. Here's and here's the last sticking point. There was an amended added just days before the vote that would still allow the federal government to keep people with felonies from entering the legal cannabis industry. So again, we're not we're not addressing that the war on drugs didn't work and that it terrorized people, terrorized entire communities. We're not making up for that. So okay. the it's it's uh, it's not addressing the people who have felonies. Yeah, it's not. It, it's allowing it, it. It's still enabling the federal government to determine whether or not people with felonies would be allowed to actually work in the cannabis industry you know, would be allowed to enter it. So, you know. So it literally just takes out everything that the name says it is? Yeah. There's some other other things in here that are beneficial. Um, Let's see. It would would open the door to research, better banking and tax laws, um, and help fuel economic growth as states are looking for financial resources. That's for Marijuana Policy Project. Um, it does it stipulate that the federal government cannot discriminate against people because of cannabis use. And that includes um, earned benefits and immigrants at risk of deportation. I mean, there's still some good stuff in there. It's not perfect. And so, I mean, here's how I, here's my position on it. Here's how I feel about it. Um, I would like for it to be better. And I think we still, we have, the new administration is coming in. I think we have the opportunity to make it better. I think we can tweak it. I feel like let's do the tweaks. Let's revise it and and pass it the right way. But I will say if it does get passed, it will be a very, very big deal. It just means that we still got a lot of advocacy work to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what that means. We have to fight for what we want. So 
we got to call Sister Kamala from Oakland and let her know what our expectations are. I mean, right. let's blow her up, right. you know? So that's that. Um, I just think it's like, because uh, the name, M-O-R-E, what was that? What did that stand for again? Uh, marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Okay, so literally, <laughs> those words, the 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 name of this act, they have literally crossed out those parts. Like, yes, wow. there's so much more. There's other beneficial things to it. Don't get me wrong. If if it were up to me, or in yeah, my mind, yeah. this is a st- step in the right direction. It's nowhere yeah. near where we need to be, but it is a step in the right direction. But I just right. think that it's ironic that the actual name of this act, you guys have now redacted from. Yeah. Because this mean, is all about getting those people expunged. This is all yeah. about making we'll more opportunities. Yeah. And and they'll get the expungement, right? But because each state gets to decide its own cannabis laws, a state can be like, you can't work in the cannabis industry if you have a felony. I mean, this is the problem. Like, there's and and I think when I when I saw um, Dashita Dawson posted something about like what they do is just copy and paste old laws, previously you know used laws, you know, instead of like really thinking like logically and deeply and intentionally about the reverberations of these things, of these things but you know not everyone understands cannabis not a, not everyone understands the realities of the prohibition the racist prohibitionist history a lot of people really genuinely think that it's a public you know not it's a it's a it's a drug problem and they don't you know, they're not necessarily like going to bat. I know? really, I really wonder about that. Like when I read things and I'm like, or I hear that I just truly cannot understand why it's not legal. Like what is the negative? Again, why? <laughs> why are you so against marijuana? Why? When there's so much evidence that it's a positive thing. Cause it's not like, like people are just saying this to say this. There's literal fucking evidence. <laughs> like there is science. <laughs> like there, there's, there's. Like, and so I'm like, how? I feel that there's um, something maybe in in the human psyche where when you just have something so ingrained and it's almost like it's just so deep rooted in there to to like want to unpack that and and open your mind to changing your mind. Like, maybe that's just going to rock my world too much. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing I can think of. The only thing I can think of is maybe the you know, staunch, just like law and order person who's just like, no, 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 we cannot legalize this. If they start to question that, that's going to open their mind to all kinds, there's going to be all kinds of shit they might start, if they smoke some weed and started questioning some shit, it just would open up their minds to all kinds of possibilities and that is a very scary thing for some people. They don't want to go there. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think that that's kind of, kind of the same conclusion that I kind of the same conclusion and I the what I came to was and I want to say this in um in a way that doesn't sound like I'm being ageist um I feel like what I came to is like I feel like a lot of the people who are staunchly against this particularly in our government are older white people Mm-hmm. specifically older white men, but they bring along Karen. So yes. Yes. 
and the only, and I really feel like the in terms of in terms of legalization specifically for marijuana, like I feel like the only way that we're gonna ever start making real foothold in that arena in terms of in terms of legalizing it in the federal level is to get the old white men and the old white women out. Yeah, like I mean, they we, they, they don't no longer right. And that's not to say society, yeah. yeah, and that's not to say that there are not older white men and women who are uh, uh advocates or or pro legalization. That's not to say that there's young people who are not anti legalization. But I feel like if we could get the old thought processes out, because truly, I feel like that's one of the biggest problems in our government is that we have a whole bunch of old people who still trying to do what they were doing 50 years ago. And you can't apply that to now. This is a different world. You are 100% correct, but you're also basically explaining the why diversity is so important. Yes. Why we need, in our government especially, we need people that represent the country. It somehow government work, you know, at being elected official somehow became this like ivory tower reserved for, you know, white old white men. Old white men. Yes, old white men. That actually has happened over time, but it's just like I mean. You know, everybody's minds were blown, obviously, like in 2018 with like when the squad ran and it was such a big deal because we just had never seen that before. And we just got to keep seeing more of that because that's the shit. It's the visual that tells the little kid up the street, the little girl, oh, little black girl in Oakland. Holy shit. Like I could actually become a senator. I might want to do that at the age of 25. Like we need. We need the 75-year-old, and we also need the 26-year-old. We need the black person. We need the, the the trans person. We need all. We need everybody because that is literally what America is. Yes. And yeah, and I these to me, there's. I mean, I feel like what's amazing to me is that more of America is not in an uproar with these elected officials acting against like the majority of what America wants. I mean, there are how many. How many more polls do we need to tell us the majority of America wants cannabis legal? How many more polls? I mean, what what else do you want? We're telling you what we want. That's your job as my senator, my representative, tell, to do what I want. So uh, it's ridiculous. It's getting there. Unfortunately, it's getting there, though, because of the money. That's the part that's the bummer especially because our economy is so bad and you know they, people their their eyes are on the financial prize but the humanity inevitably comes in there because cannabis cannot be it just is not going to work as your traditional like capitalist enterprise it just won't we're already we're already seeing it not really work like that you know we got to we can't do this in the same old way we got to do this in another way and i and i feel that the more the narrative is about the social justice about the need for patient access you know the stuff that really matters and less about what celebrity is launching whatever new pre-roll you know i think that's going to make a big difference i fully agree um so like i said i think that the more act is <clears throat> A step in the right direction. Yeah. It's a, um, I was gonna say a small step, but I I give it a full step. I give it a full step in the right direction, but it's like a full. To be though. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a full baby step. Yeah. 
that yeah. feels that feels good that feels like a good description yeah. <laughs> um but yes there's still <clears throat> there's still a lot of work to do so yeah. with that being said how do you feel the new or incoming president and vp um will follow through on everything that they've the promises that they've made and specifically in regards to cannabis I don't know if you recording picked that up, but that was a heavy sigh. There is, I do think that there is a commitment to some sort of um, a descheduling, rescheduling, decriminalizing of cannabis. I do think there will be um, some form of like the federal government is no longer prohibiting cannabis. I don't know if that will be full legalization. I don't know if they'll say cannabis is legal. I don't. I have my doubts about that. Um, and I, I have to say, I I have my uh, some doubts about the social justice um, components. Although I do think the fact that there's such a a, a broader you, you know understanding on a global scale now the realities of the disproportionate arrests of black and brown people um, and just the brutality placed on black people by law enforcement all the time. I think there's a greater uh, understanding of that. And so they're going to have to deal with that. They have to address it somehow. But I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to get, I don't think we're going to be blown away by what we get. I will say this, though. I am so grateful that Trump will not be in the White House. Girl. I think whatever. I just am glad that adults will be doing the job. I mean, with that said, I'm keeping tabs. I have a lot more. I'm so much more galvanized politically. Like, I will will contact elected officials. I will send emails. I will do that stuff. And my journalism, I believe, the direction I'm going is to take on more of uh, raising an awareness um, on a broader scale. Um, which means for me getting out of cannabis media and writing, I gotta, I gotta just, you know, pull my panties up and write for the New York times. Hey, you know, I, I completely want that for you. Yeah. If that is where your heart is telling you to go, I absolutely want that for you. I I think we just gotta, I think we gotta manage our expectations. We're not going to get anything extreme, but I think we're going to get a, some strides that will be significant and um i will take it i'll mm-hmm. take it i think that um it's very important to be realistic yeah um and i feel like a lot of the criticism comes from a standpoint of being unrealistic like yeah. i think people get mad because they didn't get the sun the moon the stars the mountains and the forest but i gave you the beach yeah. You know, like I gave, I like I'm. We're we're trying. It's not gonna be complete 180 in right. one term. Like literally, no. this is not a one term thing. There are, gonna, yeah. especially to to repair the oh, things God. that we've gone through the last four years. There's, like, there's so much repair work mm-hmm. that has to be done mm-hmm. right now. I mean, the house is broken, mm-hmm. right? So, it is burning. Like, it is. It is like, ashes. <laughs> just having like, just having. Mo- Life is always going to be stressful, especially. I mean, we're still in COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. But at least there will be people in the White House that you know give a shit. 
that really that at least like are doing the job they don't want people to die yeah at least that like low my bar has gone right but that's, right <laughs> that's I, look i'm right there with you, you. Know, i'm tired of watching the news all the time i want to watch less news like so I, I am right there with you because i'm like oof let me tell you that election week was a rough week for me oh, it was yeah. like just like i completely shut down from everything because i just i knew if i let my mind go there um my anxiety would go through the roof yeah. And it was already like I felt it creeping up. I felt it creeping up. And I'm like, okay, I just have to completely shut shut off from these things because yeah. otherwise I'm going to lose it. And but um, haven't you noticed your stress level has reduced noticeably since then? I can breathe I again. I can yeah. I can breathe again. I am way less stressed yeah. out. And we have a raging virus going on outside. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's fucked up. But oh my God, thank God that shit. It, it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. Yes. Um, yeah. like, and again, like the, it's baby steps, but it's a step in the right direction. Yes. And I, as long as I'm progressing, I'm all here for it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Whew, yeah. I, I, um, just hope that because I feel like they, um, as much as a supporter as, um, uh, they've been of the more act and all the work to get it to where it is like Biden has openly said that he's not ready to legalize it. Yeah. Like, and he's been, and I feel like he's been very clear about that from the beginning yeah. that he doesn't, he's not ready to legalize it, but he is ready to like look into it more, at least from a scientific standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like the fact, like, I feel like when somebody tells you something, you have to listen to what they're saying and and I, expect yeah. that. Like, you have to expect what they're telling you they're going to give you. Yeah, well, and so what we do is we figure out our strategy to help change his mind. I mean, right. you know. Well, no, not even that. Like, I think that, okay, we so you we get this to pass, right? Correctly. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, there's still a lot of problems with the MORE Act. Um, but we 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 get it to pass. We we expect him to put the money into the science and do the things that he's saying there because that's what he said he was going to do. And then four years from now, we we build upon that. But if four years from now you were expecting him to fully legalize this, then yes, he's going to have let you down because he told you he wasn't going to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I get, and I will say this, like, we should expect, we should have high expectations of our elected officials, mm-hmm. absolutely, but I think, to me, um, one of the biggest lessons I learned from the, uh, I guess, experience of Donald Trump, I guess experience is the best way for me to encapsulate the mm-hmm. last four years, <laughs> um, is that I, we do ourselves a disservice if we do not find a way to get involved with our, with our government. Even if, even if it's at the local level, we have to, we do, we have to find some way, even if it's being as thorough as you possibly can with the ballots and voting with like a true genuine awareness and knowledge, like we've got to give a shit about that stuff because otherwise those people will not give a shit. We will get, we will get back into the situation a, a big, I mean, there's a lot of things that led to what, what happened with this was this was number 45 but you know one of the biggest is that so few uh people voted yeah and, and i 
I agree. Don't I, I agree because I think yeah. that once they're in office, you still have to hold their feet to the fire. You, you still have to hold them accountable for the things that they're doing. It's just that I feel like a lot of people who are um, against uh, he's not going to do what he said he's going to do and da, 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 and all these negative things and like saying saying you think you're going to get what you want, but you're not. And I'm like, okay, but one, it hasn't happened. Right. Two, in the future, okay, better example, uh, uh, with Obama. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who talk about what he didn't do for the black people. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's your reasoning behind why you're, you're not an Obama fan, why you're not a Harris fan, why you're not a Biden fan or whatever. There's so many things he didn't do. What did he do for the black man? And I'm like, you act like this man literally ran everything by himself. Yeah. Like he answers to other people. And I feel like you have to take the things of what he did do. Right. And said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what you weigh him off of. You don't mm-hmm. weigh him off of what you feel like he should have done for every single black person in the world. I mean, it's tricky because, it's, and when you, especially when you're the first, but of course all the time when you're a black person, the expectations are always so high. Exactly. You know? And that's what I feel like. The expectations have to be reasonable. Yeah, I mean- Mike Pence hasn't done, that dude has been a piece of wallpaper for the last four years, but you better believe that there will be a thorough assessment of everything that VP-elect Harris does uh, for the entire four years of the the term. So, you know, we, we, that's part of it. I also think we live in a time in, you know, internet culture, our our social media, all of that. There's always going to be a faction that will have an opinion that's, just counter to what you got going on and it's something like as a writer me writing publicly it took me decades to work up the courage to do that because I take it so personally and I didn't want to be criticized I didn't want people I didn't want my feelings hurt um but I realized like if I if I'm gonna do that if that's gonna be my mindset then I may as well never write like I may as well close off this part of my soul you know, which is, I can't do that. That's not going to work. So I, part of, you know, what we expose ourselves to do as, you know, podcasters, writers, president of the United States, is there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be by fault and issue with what you're doing. You cannot be all things to everyone. And I celebrate Obama for a lot of reasons um, that, that, you know, all, that don't factor in the stuff that he did that I did not agree with. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, he represents something greater and i think social equity programs can represent something greater i think the more act can represent something greater mm-hmm. if it's what we have and it will prevent more people from getting arrested and it will increase access to medicine there's a part of me that's always going to be like yeah like let's can we just kind of get that in there but recognizing that after that i gotta make some phone calls to some elected officials and be like you gotta add this to it i gotta go to some city council meetings i gotta sign some petitions i gotta speak up during the comment period i gotta be involved that's Mm -hmm. the responsibility i'm taking so you know i mean we're doing the best we can and i think the more act is a step right i think whatever biden ultimately ends up doing will be a step um we hope we have dreams (laughs) and maybe and start to kind of cede some influence to him somehow um, so that maybe by the time he really has to face this issue, he'll have a little bit more of a background and better right. understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, did you watch Smoke on BET? I did. So good. I loved so good. it. I thought it was really great. I yeah. loved it. I feel like there was still um, a lot more digging to be done. Yeah. But I feel like for for the masses, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like you do have to be a little bit more le- surface level. But bringing yeah. that, the, the thing that, that impressed me the most was the empathy. Like the empathy that, that it, it invoked from me to the people that were in it. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I feel like I haven't made, been made to feel something by a BET special in I don't know how long. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm not usually the go-to emotion like that. Huh? Right. And I was like, and I was watching it and I, um, oh girl, the day I sent you the outline was such a day. It was such a day. It was such a day. And I was like, there's, I literally have nothing left in my tank. I, I cannot do this. Like I have to message her and ask if I can send the outline tomorrow morning. Oh, and yeah. Sometimes you gotta do that. Yeah. Right. And it was one of those moments where I was like, you know what? You're burning out. You're burning. Yeah. Something has to, has to give. And so I was like, okay, sent you the message saying I'll have it to you in the morning. And then I laid down. I was like, oh, let me just watch something until I fall asleep. That was on. I stayed up for the whole two hours, mm-hmm. watched the whole thing, and then went and sent you that the the message or the outline that night. Yeah. Like it it, it made me feel all the feels. <laughs> it was so it, they really it was a very thorough mm-hmm. um you know breakdown um and they it was beautifully it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really powerful. All of those stories were so powerful. And I, I love, honestly, I love that BET produced it because, and broadcast it because, um, I mean, I think, I think the black community could use kind of like a better understanding of, you know, really kind of the reality of what's going on with cannabis from, you know, the impact of prohibition, the roots of it, the impact down to this legal industry and like what it all means, what people have to go through to, build successful businesses as black just being as black people in this industry and um because i think i think there's i think there's a lot of love for cannabis in the black community but i also think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of misinformation about cannabis in the black community i think there's a lot of conservative values around cannabis in the black community and um i mean i had you know part of my i had to educate myself right like and i'm you know i'm 46 i'm gen x and then I have since educated my family, my mom. You know, my mom wasn't using cannabis topicals because she discovered this. Like, I had to kind of talk about it, you know, talk to her about it and stuff. So, you know, I think I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I feel like it could be on HBO. I feel like, you know, let's let's more people need to see it. I love that Nas made it. Like, mm-hmm. it was just great. I thought it was really um, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I um, was very, very much pleasantly surprised by it. Um, and I also liked that, um, like you, you hear the stories, but to like hear the stories from somebody's mouth, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's so much more impactful and like, so hearing about, um, I can't remember his name now, the guy who was in jail, Mm -hmm. like to be in jail that long and 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 other people got out. Yeah. Other people see, have have got out and you're still there. When you see the industry just blooming. Yeah. You know, flourishing. Yeah. And, it, and 
And then I think the part that, one of the parts that really, really hit me was um, Wanda James talking about her brother and saying that she found out that he was literally picking cotton. Yeah, that was intense, yeah. Like that, literally, it hit my heart. I had to get up and go walk outside and hit my pen a few times because it hit my, I'm like, in my lifetime. (laughs) In my lifetime. There... I would have never, I, I mean, you know that there's obviously slave labor in America, I, in the prison system. The prison system is literally only alive because of slave labor. But just the visual of a black man picking cotton in my lifetime, like mm-hmm. things that I've only ever seen in history books, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hit me in such a profound way that... Yeah. It just, it, I was like, everyone needs to watch this. Every yeah, single uh, person needs to watch this. No, totally. I, I, I'm glad that it had an impact on you because I think we need more of that. I think the more of us understand these, hear these stories and understand what's going on, how it's impacting our community. I mean, I grew up as like, you judge people who got arrested. Mm-hmm. That's an every well. That's somebody who doesn't have their shit together. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Like, I, you know, you learn, the more you learn, the more, the better you understand the realities of these things, the more, like, likely we can all kind of impact change. Mm-hmm. We all have to do something. We all, there's something, I think Wanda James even said, like, we all have a part to play. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was, um, I mean, it captivated me as somebody, I mean, I'm someone in the industry, some of the information, I was aware of it, but the stories absolutely always get to me. And that is like, I think that's why, you know, journalism is so important, you know, because we, we need our voices, we need our voices heard, our stories heard. Um, because we're part of this fabric that's America. I don't understand why we want to continue any kind of weird delusion that America is land of the free and home of the brave. We got work we got to do. The more we keep dancing in this weird fantasy land, the more people are going to keep dying. We got to do better by our citizens, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree on all fronts, everything you said. Yes. I encourage anyone who hasn't watched Smoke on BET to watch it. Um, it, And I hope it truly inspires you to get up and do something. Do whatever you feel your part is to make this industry more accessible to the ones who it's really been the most damaging to. Um, whatever you feel your part is in that, do that. Something. Yes. Um, so... What ways can we support social equity in cannabis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier, if you don't, if you've never heard of social equity, cannabis social equity, um, do, do, do like the queen here, do a deep dive Google, because it's <laughs> interesting. It's just an interesting um, concept. I think it's, I think it has, you know, reverberations and potential for other areas. I mean, I think uh, of industry, I mean, I think we need to rethink how we, how we do business and how we make money in this world. I don't feel, you know, we can, there's ways that we can do it where everybody is earning. Um, but especially the people that need it most, you know, Mm-hmm. So do the research on that, but like once you know, once you kind of understand and feel good, like about kind of looking into brands, you know, there's a lot of them. 
on Instagram. And like I said, contact your delivery service or your dispensary and say, hey, what are your, what are your, tell me about your social equity brands or which social equity brands do you carry? And if they don't know what you're talking about or they're like, oh, we don't have any or, uh, you know, whatever, then take your business elsewhere. Keep it, keep it moving. It's going to be worth it. I promise. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely um, enough dispensaries that you can take your business elsewhere excuse me and still and still get i'm sorry dip into a social equity brand every once in a while support a social equity delivery service go to a dispensary owned by someone who was a social equity uh, part of the social equity program i mean all of those things exist here in the bay area yes definitely here in the bay area um this is not a new market so you are not uh stuck with the one down the street. There's plenty of ways to find social equity brands and support. And um, this, this podcast is global, is worldwide, everywhere, the area, and it's legal in your region. Ask for social equity. Yes. Follow me to social equity program. Yes, Damn. absolutely. Um, I think that wraps it up for our blunt talk. This has been such an amazing conversation. Pleasure. It has Thank been. You so much. Yes. I don't get to talk about myself ever, but what a just a fun exchange. I yes. Listen, you, you are delightful. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it has been so much fun. This is like literally leaps and bounds beyond what I could have even imagined. Um, so, yes, I, I love this. Um, normally, I have a highlight section or giggle section um, after this, but I. I would love to feature the brand that you were talking about um, as a highlight, but I always like to reach out to them first to make sure that it's okay. So Mm -hmm. um, I'll reach out to her. Okay. And then I'll... They're they're pretty active on Instagram too. Okay. And then Mm -hmm. if she's cool with it, then I'll record that later and insert it here. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll figure that part out later. Um, So... That gets us uh, to pretty much the end of the show. Um, but I always like to end the show with a random ass question because truly, what is highness without randomness and random thoughts? I love it. <laughs> so I have a um, list of random ass questions that are numbered four through 20. Um, okay. And you can pick any number you want, and I'll ask you that question. I will choose Lucky 13. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, when I was very, very little, I wanted to be a hairdresser. (laughs) I loved, um, doing my doll's hair. Um, but interestingly enough, when I was a teenager, I decided I wanted to be a copywriter. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do for a living. That is fucking awesome. Yeah. To be able to say that, like I, I'm, I'm successfully doing what I have wanted to do. Oh, that makes me so happy for you. I also wanted to be a hairdresser. Even, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I was like, huh, we just keep showing each other. Are you kidding me? Yes. Beautiful. Like they were like members of the family. Like, yes. I also wanted to do hair and then I didn't, I don't know, just one day, just like a light flip light switch changed and I was like nah I'm good 
And you might, that might change again. I've had oh, it, it, it changes literally almost yearly for me. Yeah. At this point, I've just learned to just kind of go with the flow. Absolutely, you should. Yeah. That's yeah. what life is about. Enjoy so, your life. Yeah. I yeah. was like, eventually you'll land on something that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, All right, my darling. Well, God, what a pleasure. Thank you so yes. much for inviting me. This was really, really fun. It was. It was so much fun. We definitely have to keep in touch. So um, before we head out, um, you want to provide the people with your, your contact info? Where can yes. they find you? Yes. You can find me at keishadiane.com. That's spelled K-A-I-S-H-A. D-Y-A-N, like Nancy, dot com. It's my website with some of my writing on there. You can find me on Instagram at Osiak. That's A-H-S-I-A-K. That is Keisha spelled backwards. I should probably improve that handle. And, um, yeah, those are the best places to find me. I also have a uh, cannabis education business, wonderingaboutweed.com. That's an easy one. So you Mm. should check that out if you want to take some, uh, make your own stuff out of cannabis workshops. Yeah. All right. So I think that sums up another blunt ass episode of Bluntly Black Girls. I think we learned so much. I know I learned so much. I had so much fun. Um, Find out a way to get involved in social equity and scream it from the rooftops. That is, I think that sums up everything we've been talking about. Um, Thank you to my guest, Keisha. And for all the information that she gave, she gave a lot. So, you know, hit her up in case you want, you want more. Cause she got some really good articles and stuff. Um, follow us at bluntly black girls on IG and bluntly BLK girls on Twitter, comment, rate, subscribe, and talk to me. And yeah, let us know what you thought about this episode. And if you have any other ideas about how to be, how to get into social equity, definitely share them with us because sharing is caring and knowledge is power. Yeah, I think that's it. Smoke a blunt, drink some water, and buy weed from socially equitable brands.